welcome to the Max 6 Community Connections radio show and podcast with your host, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. Max 6 builds better communities where people and businesses thrive. We are broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and we'll be shining a light on the incredible stories of businesses we work with and how they are serving our broader community. And here is this week's Community Connection. On today's show, we're talking with Ray Dill Murrow, the founder and owner of Refresh Glass, and Sam Pagel, the chief creative officer of Resound Creative. Uh, and first, uh, hello, Jen. How are you doing today? Hello from our East Valley office. <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Great. So, guys, I guess first, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get from there to where you're sitting right now? Go for it. All right. All right. I'll, I'll kick it off. So, <clears throat> I'm Sam, uh, Chief Creative Officer with Resound. I'll start way back in the day when I was born. I was born in Nebraska. So I'm a, I'm a Cornhusker uh, fan. Also uh, a Sun Devil because I went to ASU. So, you know, they don't usually come in contact with each other. So, uh, so born in Nebraska, raised in Arizona though. So I'm, I'm almost an Arizona native. I've uh, been here for 28 years. So I started my own business right out of college and ran that for the better part of eight years, and um, recently merged with another creative business, Resound. So my business was Pelican Media, merged with Resound right before the uh, pandemic craziness. Pretty much my whole life, I've been uh, just really into creative work. So drawing, design, um, and in college, I, I went to college for um, broadcast journalism and uh, kind of developed my love for video and graphics and, and all that stuff, production. Um, and from there, um, you know, started a business, filmed weddings, and from there got got into uh, more business production stuff. Um, but yeah, now here we are, uh, 2020, and um, partnered up with the Resound, uh, which is another, obviously, company here at Max 6. And uh, it's been a year. It's been a year since we did that merger. And uh, it's been it's been really great. The the joke that I tell people is we decided to merge before the pandemic. We thought the timing would be better um, to do that before rather than you know wait until after the pandemic. So it worked out well. I'm glad it worked yeah. out well for you. Yeah. Uh, and what about you, Ray? Virgo, and I like to make things. <laughs> General, I'm a pain in the ass, but uh, really, I mean, my life. And my business is revolved around making something that makes a difference, the doing good and doing well. My background, I, you know, Legos, modifying my BMX bike as a kid, bought a hot rod in college, fell in love with it. But I, my favorite part about it, you know, 21 years old, having a 55 Chevy, I was Ray with the 55 Chevy before I was the wine bottle guy in school. You know, I put all of my uh, college loans into it and was living on top ramen and Kool-Aid happily you know, just finish paying those off now, you know, however many years later, but really it's a piece of engineering. It has utility and it's also a piece of art. And as I've grown in my career, I wanted to add the helps the community at the same time to it. So now when I do public speaking, I talk about it. It's a head, heart and soul solution or a head, heart and hands. I like even better because the way you act and the things that you do show your priorities. And now we're working directly with the EPA and waste management, we got in their annual report for the WMPO refresh class did, you know, so we're really getting to play with some of the bigger names across the country because of the millions of wine bottles that we rescue from the community that as a commodity in terms of glass that it really doesn't have very much value. It's, it's a loser in terms of a raw material. So for me, it's, you know, your, your career is going to be 100,000 hours if you work 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year for 45 years, it ends up being 90,000 in the way that we all in this room work, you know, working before you're 22 or whenever you got out of school and over time and after 67, statistically, it's 100,000 hours. So my whole career has been based on what do I want to do with those hours and how do I impact myself, our team, our internal stakeholders, and the community at large all at the same time by still doing my jam, which is making something that's someone's favorite 
X to use. And right now I started with glassware and we're going to be moving on past that soon. I love both of your answers. Um, And as you guys were both talking, I saw like a little young Sam and a young Ray and just playing, you know, with your Legos or taking things apart, um, drawing. As you guys look back, two questions. What advice would you give your younger self now? And also, what advice would you give to the kid who is similar to you growing up, you know, likes to do things with their hands or in design? Like, what advice would you you have? Um, Maybe Sam, start. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say to my younger self, don't be afraid to change. When I, I remember going into college, I went to college initially for architecture, was dead set on this is what I'm going to do. I'm never going to change. I don't want to be that kid who goes to college and completely changes his mind after a year or two years. And so I went through my first year of college as an architecture student, and I hated it so much. Um, and I dreaded, I dreaded going back for my sophomore year. And that summer, it just kind of dawned on me, like, why, why do I think this way? Like, I'm just going to change. I, I don't want to hate my life anymore. So I, I remember I stayed up like all night, one night during the, the summer. And it was like two weeks before my sophomore year was going to start. And I remember the next morning talking to my parents and I'm like, I'm done with it. Like I'm changing. And they're like, oh, good. We're so glad you said that because they could, they knew I was miserable. So changed that uh, up, went into broadcast journalism, which was great. I loved it. Um, and like I said before, that's what developed my, obviously I'm not a journalist, thankfully, but that developed my uh, love for production, for video, for creative work. And here we are now. And again, uh, you know, fast forwarding from that point, eight years later, once again, I, I don't think I ever saw like a merger. You know, if I, if you were take me back to when I started my company, I don't think my plan was ever like, yeah, grow it and then merge. But, um, and, and that was a tough decision too. It was, it, it took a lot of time and a lot of thinking, uh, a lot of talking and, um, but, you know, so thankful that um, we were able to do that. So that's kind of been, you know, not every single day, but uh, some major themes in, in my life over the past 10 years have been like, that was a big change and it was great. And I'm so glad that I did it. And I think I was afraid of that when I was, when I was younger, I I didn't want to, didn't want to be that person that changed, you know, every couple of years or every couple of months. So, um, so that's, that's what I would say to, to young Sam. That's awesome. Thank you. Ray, how about you? My general thing would probably be around uh, combining your passion profession and things you love to do with value exchange. You know, there's so many times I'll go speak at schools or with individual people that I happen to be sitting across the table with about, I love doing this, but I don't know how to make money at it. A lot of, I think a lot of people have this paradigm that if you're going to be an artist or a teacher that you can't make a fair wage, you know, and I think that what I've really concentrated on for myself and for our team in terms of, you know, culture, psychological safety, all the different things that you have to get from work is that if you provide value for people in a unique way that you deserve to get paid for it. And that the second part to that is that if you're allowed to want it all, if you create enough multifaceted value for other people. So the, I always talk about, you know, Plato's beautiful, true and good, which is just basically emotion, logic and values. You know, there's a hundred different ways to phrase it. You know, in your food, it's nutritional value. It is taste and flavor and it's responsible sourcing, you know, for your paramour, the person who you spend all your time with. It's, you know, are they interesting and funny? Are they smart? And do they have good morals? You know, and so for a profession for me, I'd probably tell my younger self who is so excited about the engineering world coming, you know, and working at Toyota and in aerospace for five years before I resigned, you know, to travel, that it's okay to be selfish in the way that you want it for yourself. But in order to get those things for yourself, you have to provide value for others and give them the emotional, the style, the the functional utility and, you know, helping them live their morals for them in a way that's useful for them, not just making your art for your art's sake, because that's what you like to do, expecting that the world's going to pay for it because they won't. It's interesting 
<clears throat> I've been thinking about this uh, from a little bit of a different perspective, but coming from, uh, all right, raising kids and, and uh, what are they into? And so you're talking about being into Legos and it turned into cars and it turned into engineering. It turned into being into drawing and it turned into design and it turned into video. And uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, Tommy Lee. It's like, when did you realize you're a drummer? It's like, I don't know. Just when I was five, I had spoons and pots and pans and I was drumming. And someone took the time to recognize that in the child, uh, Tommy Lee, and nurture that. And so I think what you guys are saying is, like, give yourself the permission to do that. But I think I think all of us, I mean, taking the time to recognize that in others. And, you know, maybe you're not going to be a, uh, a drawing artist for pay, but, like, what is that? What is that thing that's going to come out in someone anyways? And how do you uh, focus that in a way, to your point, Ray, where they can take that and make something, make a life out of it with purpose, with uh, I wake up every morning and I'm putting all my energy into something that's that's moving me forward, making success in the world for other people. Uh, It's just an interesting concept. It's cool. It's cool to be sitting with two people that in different ways have this sort of design mindset and have turned it into vehicles for your whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great point. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes even now I can get so, uh, so deep into my work or something that I'm working on and not kind of step back to ask myself if this is actually what I want to be doing. Um, or if somebody could do it better than I can, and I can focus on something that I'm better at on. And so, I mean, that's, again, like going back to my my freshman year in college, I'm like, I, I hated it so much. And I didn't, it didn't even register in my mind that I'm like, able to make my own decision to do something else. And same thing in, in my business and growing my business, there were times where clients would come to me and be like, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, thinking in my head, well, I I could, but do I really want to? They're going to pay me to do that, but that sounds miserable. So no. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this before too, but I mean, my experience in college was my first year was in architecture and I absolutely hated it and spent this like lots of turmoil about, but this is what I wanted to do. And then before I finally switched to marketing and figuring out what I wanted to do there. But yeah, it is an interesting thing to go through. There's uh, another concept that I'm doing something with the Tempe Chamber about uh, young professionals and saying, oh, the uh, my 30s are the new 20s and how young professionals sometimes now are not setting themselves up in their 20s for their 30s. And so how do you how do you both look at yourself in the time that you're in and give yourself the opportunity to explore and see what's going on, but have the foresight to look into the future and see where you're going to be. I mean, it's my, my thought in this is that there's just, you just have to be a human being and experience it and go through it. I mean, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing in business as in like personal life. I'm, I'm married to a lovely wife and we have three, tiny kids, four, two, and one. Um, and I, I constantly have to remind myself there too, of like, just don't try to get to the next thing or the next stage, like stop, enjoy, um, experience the, the place that you're in right now. And same thing with, with, uh, now our business with, uh, with resound is like, it's good to look towards the next steps, but don't forget about where you're at right now. Good advice. So. Both of you have had significant changes in your company in the last year, and we've all been experiencing the pandemic together, what fun times we've had and learned a lot. But both of your companies in particular have, during or right before the pandemic, uh, gone through a merger or acquisition that's really changed the nature and the foundation of what you guys are able to offer. Uh, Can each of you speak a little bit to that and what both what it means to have combined two groups together and what was the experience like just in general with the pandemic going on or what, how would it have been different if uh, we'd been going through just another year? Yeah. So for us, 
making drinking glasses, vases, candles, and other functional things out of wine bottles, you know, that would have been otherwise discarded or buried for a thousand years or more, you know, our acquisition came about because we, we have very, very few competitors who can make the quality and volume that we can on this scale because it's basically three different businesses. We have a bottle collection logistics company that, you know, picks up all the bottles that would have been thrown away. And there's a lot of relationships and a lot of coordination that goes on there in terms of almost like trucking. You know, we have the manufacturing operation where I largely had built all of the equipment that we use to cut the bottles in half and melt the rims and stress relieve them in large ovens. It's not something that they have tools built for that you can just buy over the counter. And if you did, it would be, you know, half a million bucks, which is a tough nut to swallow, you know, and, and the last part is sales and distribution for a product that had never existed before. So I, I always joke around that I picked a terrible business model <laughs> doing this over again. I would definitely, and in my future ventures, I'm going to pick other products that I can make with our own different style and way with recycled materials that have existing markets where people are doing searches for them. And, and there's a demand for it as opposed to educationally selling everyone on something that they didn't know was, was there. It's very difficult to do, but now that we have, largely done it we have very little competition and it's a very hard um, thing to replicate we get messages every week from people across the world who want to know how we did it and my answer to them is always that we have a responsibility to our investors and our employees you know what i mean to keep these trade secrets until we get to the point that we know we can scale it and then we'll either franchise or or release the information to the world i mean we have a lot of different options but on the acquisition side, there's only maybe two other companies that I thought were even close to us, even though we're number one on Amazon and we have the most cross-linking online with articles and, and boards and whatnot. Um, having worked with you know Wolfgang Puck and Francis Ford Coppola, and we've been in Inc. and MSNBC and Forbes, so we've been very fortunate to have a lot of great press, that I contacted one of the two who I knew had the most sophisticated tooling that I would have loved to have had knowing that they had just sold in October and that they were a little bit upside down in terms of sales and, and overall demand. Um, I just shot a two sentence email out just asking how they were doing and if they wanted to have a conversation. I got an email back 10 minutes later and we were able to close on that sale in the beginning of July. And we got two 53 foot truckloads of equipment and assets that it's I've told everyone it's kind of like moving in with your girlfriend where you have two houses worth of ish and you need to figure out how to fit it in one spot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty much what it felt like and do utilities. And I don't know if you guys know what 480 volt power is like, but it's not something that you play around with and running air and water. And so it's been a scramble leading up to Q4, but um, we acquired their book of business and their equipment and it, it, has pretty much literally been a game changer for us in terms of the capacity that we can hit the price points that we can hit the volumes that we can manufacture. And we were able to get a little bit of cash flow out of it as well. Wait, how on earth do you fit in your space at Park Lane? I have not been there in a while, clearly. You know, it's, it's fairly organized right now. If it was a, a, a mile sprint, we're in, you know, we're in the last 10th of it thankfully, because it's felt like I've had two jobs, you know, running refresh class and cash flow and operations and sales in the traction sense and putting all this stuff together that has PLC logic control. So it has all of, there's one piece of equipment that has compressed air and solenoids. It has 480 power and electrical relays and overloads. And it also has water on it. It's insane. It has 13 motors on one piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had to partially rewire it and I've had these like consultants come in, you know, the $150 an hour guys where you try to make it very concise what you want them to do. I was able to do a lot of it, but I needed to call in some help on some of it. So it, it's been this massive reorganization of literally our entire space. And now we're in Q4 in the mix of all the orders. So we're, I'm, I'm not necessarily running scared, but you can't have exciting without scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm there. So you're fully operational, right? Oh, like yeah. You're, you're... So the fun part for us is that we were able to redesign the space, reconfigure the space so that not only are we adding their more automated equipment, but we've been able to do it so that we kept ours in place as well. 
and they each have their different functions. It's so fun. we're going to have tons of capacity. I'm talking like, I think when we end, we'll be able to do 15,000 glasses a day. That's a lot. I think, I think that's the big, when people hear that, that's like, oh, this isn't like I can do this in my garage with a piece of string. Nor and, should you. Yeah. It's yeah. 1,500 degrees of heat, you know, and I, our guys are very well trained and we have exercises, you know, of if this happens, you know, if this, then that in terms of hose breaks and there's fire coming out of it. You know what I mean? You turn off the 90 degree here first, very clear language in a very Malcolm Gladwell air, airplane pilot, non-mitigated speech, you say this type of thing because it's not a joke you know what i mean like i don't recommend that anyone else does this i really don't but i'm glad you do <laughs> terrible business model like i said but <laughs> i'm stubborn all right sam what is awesome i i think i only understood power and water and what you just said <laughs> but i i get those two things um yeah so my story is a lot different than that that sounds a lot more complicated than what we went through. But we had, uh, so so my partner, Mike Jones, and I, we, we had the unique ability um, to basically office together for like seven years. Mike's we, awesome, by the way. Yeah, I, he's pretty awesome. We never did that. We never got into an office space together for the purpose of merging. It was just like, hey, you're working at home. I'm working at home. Mike called me up one day. He's like, you want to get an office space together? I'm like, sure. That sounds great. So we did that uh, back in 2013. Um, and just over the years, I think Max 6 was our second space that we kind of ventured out into to together. Um, and here's my shameless plug for Max 6 of just giving businesses the ability to work so closely together. I mean, literally, we were back to back, like running our separate businesses. Um and whether or not this is a good thing or not, but just being able to like listen in on conversations that they're having and vice versa, uh, it really gives you an insight into like the day-to-day uh, operations of a company. Again, whether or not that's a good thing. It was a good thing in our case of when we first had the, hey, maybe we should do this together conversation. A lot of the like, well, how do you run your business and how do you run your business? All of that we already knew. And we already knew like the big question of like, are you somebody I can trust was already taken care of. I and mean, we, we already knew that about each other. And probably the most important thing, when I, when I first started thinking about merging with another company, I, I had to go and do research and just basically Google like, what do I need to look at in a merger? There's a couple of things that pretty much everyone who's gone through a merger said. Number one is you have to have the same goals. And then number two, you have to have the same values. Working through, I think it was the probably the goals uh, because the values we already knew were aligned, um, which was huge. It's, it's um, similar to what you said, Ray, about like you kind of, you know, for, for Mike and I, we were, we were friends living together, right? And then we were like, well, hey, we kind of like each other and maybe we should like get engaged. And we got engaged. And then, you know, the merger was the marriage, but it was a big decision. You merge your financials, you merge everything, you know, in your in your business. And but a lot of the questions around like, are you somebody I can trust? Are we aligned? Are we going in the same direction? Do we want to get to the same place? Do we want to do the same things with our business? Those were questions that were were we already knew about each other. Um, so that, that was kind of a unique thing for us to have that background for seven years. It still took us a year from like, Hey, should we do this to the final, like, this is complete, which I think was a good thing. Um, you know, not, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, One of them was, uh, just, I had literally, I had a, we had our, our third child, like a week after the merger was complete. So, there's, you know, other, other factors outside of the businesses there, but, um, but it was, it, it was a scary thing to go into, especially for my wife and I, um, because obviously we had never done that. I had, I had only worked in my, my business for eight years out of college. And so it was scary. It was like, you know, it was a, a leap of faith, but, um, but it's been, it's been amazing. And, and it's been a year 
I don't think Mike or I have had any issues at all. Like nothing. Only only good things. So the only issue is uh, we've had too much to do. So it's a good thing. That Very is, good thing. That is a good thing. I was going to ask you, Sam. So, I mean, all people are people and humans. So I'm sure there will be a difficult time at some point. Maybe you guys are still in your honeymoon phase, although yeah, you've had a seven-year, eight-year honeymoon phase. Maybe. Um, but when a challenge or problem arises, you know, you've gone through a lot of the workshops and stuff that we've done. So I'm going around like productive conflict and kind of how do you envision solving conflicts or what do you think? Yep. Yeah, it's a good question. There's a couple of things that go along with that. Number one is from day one, uh, Mike and I, and even our operations manager, Chris, um, we're kind of the three-legged stool that, that keeps Resound going. We wanted clear, uh, clear job descriptions, clear roles within the company um, so that Mike and I were not, you know, fighting about who's supposed to be sending out the invoices or, you know, getting back to clients. Um, and we did that from day one, and that's been super helpful. So if, a, if an issue arises, we know, like, all right, who needs to take care of this? You, great, me, all right, I'll do it. And so that's been super helpful. Uh, and we all have the unique skills to do our different jobs. Um, one of the things that made me really excited about uh, merging with Resound was that we were very different. And, and Mike and I, in particular, were, are very different, very like opposite ends of the spectrum on on everything, which made me really excited because a lot of the things that Mike is really good at, I am not and I don't want to do and vice versa for Mike. So it's almost like opposites attract and we we don't really step on each other's toes a lot in that regard. Um, and the second thing is um, just knowing what our purpose is at Resound. Um, if issues arise um, from an operations level or a board level, we go back there. We go back to the purpose of Resound. It's like, well, here's the issue. Um, like, hey, should we really be doing this? It's great. You know, we're, uh, for example, like, should we be spending all this time on our internal marketing? And when that question comes up, it's like, well, all right, let's think about why are we doing this? Uh, what purpose does that serve within our company? And what purpose does that serve towards our, our overall um, purpose of Resound? So yes, I'm sure conflict will come up uh, at some point, Jen. But, uh, and I'm, I'm the type of person that avoids conflict in general. So if it does come up, I'll probably just be like, all right, Mike, you're right. <laughs> no, uh, no. And, that, and that's another... That's another unique thing is like Mike and I are not the only two people running Resound. We actually have two other partners that have their own full-time jobs, but are involved with Resound at a board level. And again, they are very different from Mike and I. Um, and so to have almost like accountability for Mike and I outside of the company, one's a professor, one works in, in corporate America. And so we have like four really unique people um, on the Resound board that all bring different perspectives, viewpoints. Um, if Mike and I were to have a serious issue with, with each other, we'd have those those two other guys to kind of step in and, and help us work through that. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it did, um, we've got kind of that fallback. So uh, it's a really unique, I think we're structured really uniquely in that way. Um, and it's just a really solid foundation, I think, for what we're doing now and where we want to go uh, in the future. Who are your clients at Resound? I mean, what what's your your yeah. value prop in terms of your yep your ideal job? Yeah, so we are we are primarily focused on B two B businesses, so businesses that are focused on serving or providing products to other businesses. So. We work with a lot of manufacturers, um, construction companies, um, property managers, uh, and so commodity we, services like high competition. Yeah, or or very specialized. So like we we just did a website for uh, a client that produces um, sine wave filters, 
which I didn't even know what those were, but they provide these sine wave filters that filter power and filter harmonics. Um, you know, if you've ever think about your, uh, I don't know, like a transformer, right? That's, that's constantly buzzing and there's constant friction. That's, that's not good for it. And I'm, I'm going to totally botch this because I'm, that my brain doesn't work like this, but they, they provide these filters that help uh, provide clean energy. So we, we work with companies like that who, you know, they're never going to sell that in a consumer marketplace. They're never going to sell those on Amazon. They're never going to put them in Walmart. Those are very high cost specialized product. Um, so we do a lot of that. Uh, uh, we work with a lot of uh, companies like that who, it's challenging from the standpoint of like, you have to wrap your mind around like what they're actually doing, sure, what they're producing and who they're actually trying to get in front of. So do you do marketing lead gen and conversion or is it just so, mostly on the front end? So just we the... start, we always start with branding. So we start with branding and, and everything else we do flows out of that. So uh, we do uh, brand consultation and brand development. And then underneath that uh, we do web development, video production, photography, design, um, a lot of the visual marketing stuff, and then we're able to do uh, uh, content design, content writing, um, and we don't do, we're not really an SEO shop, um, we're not even heavy on the lead gen stuff, there's people that can do that better than us, um, we're going to help you develop your brand uh, and make you look great, and then uh, give you that foundation to go out and cool. get in front of those people. I'm curious, uh, I know both of you are running organizations that are very purpose-driven, and it's come up in a couple of ways here. I'm interested in, I mean, reiterate what that is for each of you, and with what you've gone through this year to look at, hey, I've got this new vision for the future with the acquisition, with the merger. I mean, to what end? What does that mean for your purpose and being able to serve your communities? Right, <laughs> that's a deep question. <laughs> no, it's a great question. I I appreciate it. It for me, and really, I'm very careful about pronouns. So it, it's I'm the captain of the ship at work, and we do use the traction system. So it's not necessarily always ruled by committee, but there's very few times that I have to just say no. I want to do this, and it's not necessarily what we all decided, anyways. But commodities markets, raw materials, and recycling in general has really lagged manufacturing in the way that it's just so much easier to buy raw new material pulled from the earth in a linear cycle where it gets pulled from the earth made thrown away and it goes back into it in a way that's not necessarily the best for the planet so what it is that we're doing right now and the scale that we're going for accomplishes a few different things one it proves that it's possible to have a fiscally responsibly sustainable so sustainability in terms of spending dollars spending time you know what i mean profitable company that can take materials that would have been thrown away and turn them into something useful that creates value in a competitive market of glassware uh second is now i'm turning my attention now that we have friends with Jane Goodall and the EPA and Waste Management and Glass Packaging Institute and Strategic Materials is the number one glass recycler in North America. They recycle 3 million tons. So, you know, break out your calculator times 3 million times 2,000. That's how many pounds they do. It's wow. a big number. Right. You know, and I'm working with their head of communications now. So now we've been able to provide gifts for people who don't need stuff that's a story to tell when they needed to buy gifts anyway. So, what we're doing is when I first started refresh class, the mistake that I made because I went from being an engineer and overemphasizing logic and then traveling around the world and was it hedonistic? Maybe a little bit. I had beers in 21 different countries. I had a great time. Bungee jumped in Switzerland and, you know, whitewater rafted. I was kind of like your kid skateboarding, just a little older, having a great time. Um, so I went from logical Ray to emotional you know, wanting to feel something version of myself to wanting to run refresh class like a charity. And I thought people would buy glasses because we're helping the world be a better place. And it's just the right thing to do. Come to find that restaurant, you know, food and beverage managers and chefs 
run on a budget, you know, and if they have other glasses that are half the price, we're not going to get the order, you know, and so it wasn't until I really tried to mold all three of them together to show that you can have your cake and eat it too, but it's really hard, you know, and you can provide unique value in the marketplace. And so now I'm cheating because I read your sheet and I'm going to answer one of your questions because it just ties in so beautifully. <laughs> you put it out right in front of me. It's your fault. It was, it was purposeful. <laughs> yeah. What we do at Refresh Glass is we help people find gifts that show that they're walking the talk and their sustainable values when they had to buy gifts anyways. We just started a campaign a week ago and Keep Phoenix Beautiful is going to do it and Keep America Beautiful has 300 affiliates that might do it to where we give them a 15% discount code. We created a page. It's not even a landing page. It's like a legitimate page on our site where if they go to that page and they use the discount code that the client who needed a holiday gifts anyways is getting a discount, you know, and a portion of the proceeds goes back to the charity. And we all win. I get additional sales. The charity gets funds and these people get a discount for something that helps them show that they're walking the environmental talk. You know, so what we're doing is we're creating a solution that already had a need in a very unique way that's helping raw materials grow. And now what I'm looking to do is in addition to expanding our line where we're going to make handles for coffee cups and beer mugs. And I've figured out a way to make a French press. And this is a secret because it's not launching until next year, but it's so hard to replicate that I don't even care if anyone else hears it. <laughs> you know that, and we have the relationships to run it through is that I'm looking into figuring out ways to collect aluminum and to recycle plastic. And I just happened to work with, you know, waste management Phoenix open. And so now they have a, you know, a materials division or a, sustainability services what is what it's called so so many people thought it was so cool what they did with the wm the waste management phoenix open being 100 you know zero to landfill 100 diverted that now they can retain a branch of waste management to do that for their events and so i work directly with them and and we have a deal to where if i am looking to start collecting aluminum or plastic or something else to create more products out of that we'll have access to those raw materials now so cool. Yeah. So that's the purpose just to, to be a brick in the bridge, you know, crossing this chasm from a business standpoint to show that it's possible once, but once you replicate it again, then I think that we can create programs with the EPA and Keep America Beautiful and Waste Management to have innovation competitions like what Zero Mass does to give people tools so that it's not just me, that it's exponentially compounding. I think that's... I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like, to your point, everybody wants to be doing better or wants to be doing good and recycling or whatever it is, but they haven't seen a refresh glass come around and show them that you can do it. We're USA made too, you know, and it's just, there's logistics and Amazon, people want things fast and China with the tariffs. I mean, all these things have happened. It's totally helped me, you know, <laughs> in these unforeseen ways, you know, that that's what the world wants speed, the world wants quality and my favorite book, because I, I keep on answering your questions, you're going to hate me. and Because I think it's fun, because I, I do like you, Cub. Enjoy giving you a high time, and I can't wait to get you on the ice. You know. <laughs> me too. <laughs> It'll be great time. We'll have a videographer or something. We'll both laugh. You're probably not going to be over. But, um, yeah, it's just the power of myth and Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. We're all part of it and we all have a story to tell. But if you make someone else a better hero and you give them their lightsabers and their Millennium Falcons and droids and their own story, will they be loyal to you? Will they buy from you again? Will they tell your friends about you? Totally. Yep. I think it's free on Netflix right now too. Like I watch, I watch the power of myth, like five-year-old girls watch Frozen. <laughs> well, I can attest to that. It's a lot. Do you sing along? Uh, Are there my songs? girlfriend's so sick of it. It's like this old dude again. Come on. <laughs> it's like from the 80s, too. It looks so dated, but it's like pure gold. That's a great segue, what you just shared about, uh, you know, giving someone their lightsaber and teaching them how to use it. So um, on a personal level, Kyle, back to your, your question, the merger with Resound was an opportunity for for me to do what I love to do on just a deeper level. So before I, I was a, the creative guy or the creative company that made stuff look good. And it was fun. I loved it. Merging with Resound allowed me to do that on a much deeper level to 
join with a mind like what Mike Jones has um, as far as just branding and getting to know a company well enough to tell their story. We, we have a tagline within Resound. It's, you've probably heard it. Uh, it's, you are remarkable. We believe that every person and every individual uh, has been created with a unique personality, a unique set of skills. Uh, you're, you are remarkable. You're, you're different than everyone else. And because of that, because we believe that, we believe that every organization that is created by people is remarkable. And so the, the purpose of Resound is to unlock the authentic brand uh, that is already there so that a, an organization can go and build lasting relationships with the people that it serves. We are not in the business of making things up. We're not in the business of We've all seen political ads, I'm sure, in the last couple of months. We're not in the business of making things up about a company that, that are not true. We are in the business of unlocking the authenticity that's already there that might be hidden or just un, you know, unearthed and really broadcasting that story. Um, and to, your, to what you said, Ray, we're not the hero of our own brand story. Um, our clients are the hero. We're there to guide them. We're there to give them the tools that they need to go and serve their their customers. Really, we're uh, it's kind of a two layered thing. We're their guide, uh, and since we're a we serve B two B businesses, we're their guide. We're trying to equip them to be the guide for their customers. Um, so, in answer again to your question, Kyle, for me personally, joining Resound um, allowed me to do what I love to do on on a much deeper level, um, and then within Resound. Um, you know, that, that's our purpose is, is to, to guide people and guide their, their organizations. Very cool. So, Ray, I've been dying to ask you this question because I've been thinking a lot about it. And I actually think about you a lot in a non-creepy way. But uh, we've known each other for seven years now. And so I've watched Refresh grow. Um, I've seen some of your frustrations, some of the struggles you, you talked a lot about, or you mentioned, um, you know, it's really hard out there. You started with, this is a good thing to do. Everyone's going to buy it because it's a good thing to do. Um, and you've had to make some changes. So, and we often have talked about, you know, overnight successes are 10 years in the making, mm -hmm. right? Um, we talked a lot about that and it feels like you're quickly becoming an overnight success with all the things that you're talking about, but I know that it's been years in the making. So when you really there, if there have been times where you really were wanted to quit, like this is too hard, I just don't want to do this anymore. What kept you going? I probably lied to myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I read a book once and like the villain in the book at the very end, he was like jailed. This is the most terrible example, but I think it's entertaining. So I'll share it. But the quote that he said is, you know, when's he going to get back out in the world and accomplish his evil plan? And he said, it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when, you know, and I tell myself that a lot. And now that I have a better understanding of multifaceted value creation and, and I'm terrible with my crew, but I think this is the way that you share values is you repeat the same 10 things over and over again, but you walk the talk, you know, we were talking to someone recently and people don't follow the rules. They follow what you hold people accountable to, you know, and what we hold ourselves accountable to. And I think that where we're coming on now is a combination of consistent work over time and going to the gym and doing the, the heavy lifting and, and eating the food. But now we're able with COVID the the saying is we're all in this together. And I am very careful with my, pronouns, like I had said before. And so what that is, is that's the super third person. That's the all y'all version of all of us, because all of us could be inclusive of all of us at X6, all of us in Tempe, all of us in Arizona, you know, and you just go out to the cosmos, you know, from there, but really all of us in terms of the planet and providing ways for people to feel like they're making a difference, even though they can't make it to the gym and they can't always eat the food they want and, and talk to their friends on the phone. To answer your question specifically, I think that how you stay in it is most gratifying for me to know that those people that you're serving, being the Obi-Wan Kenobi for them, 
that they really are getting value out of it and that it's genuine and that you have competitive place in the market where not everyone else can do it either. Knowing that you've built that thing that, that has that unique way because it makes it more authentically yours knowing that mm. it's the only of its kind out there and then you just try to make it grow. And ideally, I'd love to become a teacher someday and just figure out how to replicate this over and over again. It's and awesome. Yeah, I, I've, I've given up. I, I did the math. I mean, from what I was making, I was director of manufacturing technology for a billion-dollar aerospace company in 2006, and that's what I walked away from in Huntington Beach. You know, So I, I've lost over a million dollars in personal income and opportunity cost doing this. So it's been a very calculated process for me staying in it when yeah. I knew I didn't have to. Yeah. Does so, that answer your question? Yeah, it definitely oh, okay, does. Okay. Um, there's a lot. You always say so much in such a short amount of time. So I'm processing as I'm thinking. But what builds off of that is with this success that you have found all along the way, but mostly you know, recently with all the things we talked about, why do you, um, why have you decided to stay within the Max 6 community and not go out on your own and possibly buy a building or lease another space? What keeps you at Maxit? I was talking to my team about that this morning. Um, so I think being an entrepreneur is incredibly hard because it quickly highlights the things that you suck at or that you're not, you know, um, automatically gravitate towards, you know, whether it's cash flow management, operations, constructive conflict, you know what I mean? And, and an argument made early when it should happen as opposed to becoming a huger problem, which I think everyone's experienced before. Yeah. I, I think that with our investor group, which has been amazing, you know, carrying me through and I've heard that it's about the jockey and not the horse and believing in people to carry it through and their character and, and driving through the times that really suck, whether it's cash catastrophe and everything in between that, I don't think of refresh glass as just me anymore, even though I do take responsibility over everything that happens to us, whether it's my fault or not, which is a very personal philosophy of just being able to get through life. But I don't think I can, I couldn't have gotten this far by myself. You know what I mean? And, and the Mac six, the Macintoshes and the overall group have been so supportive through all of it. And, you know, the Scots, both of them and Kyle and you guys, I really see our accomplishment as being ours and I try to celebrate that in the we and the all of us in terms of the, you know, Postino supported us in waste management and and everyone else. I take pride in the fact that I've steered the ship to this point, but there's no way that it could have been done without all of us. So I think that us staying in this together is only going to help us replicate it and exponentially grow it and to continue to do so because the the, the timing of China is going through their industrial revolution. You know what I mean? People want things fast. You know, uh, Bill Gates had access to one of the first, you know, whatever, 10 computers in the United States. I think there's a timing aspect to it too. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to take too much credit for it, but the timing is right for this to grow. And I think that we can all benefit from it. And I don't think I can do it by myself. That's awesome. And similar, Sam, you guys um, started in the co-working space, like you said earlier, and then you've transitioned now to your own office. What keeps you in the Max 6 community? Yeah. So we, we had, uh, we had a lot of conversations. Um, and even before the merger, I was actually, I was thinking about like, you know, I, I live in Chandler and without traffic, it's 20 minutes to here, but with traffic, it's like 45, sometimes seven hours. <laughs> That did happen once, but I was thinking like, oh man, I don't, I don't have to work at Max Six. I can go find an office space or someplace like way closer to my house. Working through that that thought process of like, I can, I can find a place that's five minutes from my house. And when I really started thinking about leaving, it was like, I can't leave. I can't leave because of the people here. I can't leave because of the relationships here. Like when I, when I decided with Mike to bring our, you know, two separate companies at the time to Max 6, it was a game changer. It was the, the people that were here, the people that, that came into the space after we were here, we kind of had the unique position of like being 
one of the first companies of the new Mac 6 era, I think. Like when we came in, it was pretty empty and we got to be the old guard a little bit over the years. But then, you know, post-merger in the middle of a pandemic, we, we also had a decision to make of like, I think our lease was up on the co-working side and it was like, do we want to just work from home? Do we want to try to find a different space? Do we want to move into a, a you know, a, a private suite on the Mac 6 campus? And um, the conversation around like, should we look elsewhere was very short uh, because again, it's like, we don't, we don't want to leave the relationships that we've made here at Mac 6. And specifically to your guys' credit, just the way that you guys run your your campus here um, and your your multiple campuses. I'm going to do a little shout out for Chrissy, but the way that Chrissy mm-hmm. like engages with the community. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, like it'd be hard. We'd be hard pressed to find that elsewhere. We really would. And just the flexibility that you guys have provided over the years um, is just like I it, it's invaluable. It really is. So. So yeah, we made the decision to to stay here, to move downstairs into a private suite. And that's been so awesome. We did that. You know, we increased our costs in the middle of the pandemic, which was like eh, a little scary, but uh, it's definitely, definitely worked out. Um, and uh, the only downside is, you know, we don't get to see you guys as much being down there. I'm going to come kick your door open <laughs> or something every once in a while. Come hang out. This is Sparta. It's so beautiful in there. Oh, thanks. So, so I just, I'm just feeling this thing as you guys have been talking over the last hour and especially the last number of minutes here that, I mean, you're talking about the 10 years that gets you to the point where you seemingly become this overnight success and that you have this purpose of, we talked about it early on as a kid, like I just have this thing in me that I want to provide whatever it is, drawing, design, whatever it is. And I think a lot of times, uh, People look at entrepreneurs like, oh, I, that sounds like it would be an amazing thing to do. And I just think that it, like you look at a sports star, you're like, wow, I, I'd love to play pro baseball. And they don't, they don't see all of the behind that, what it takes. And just recognizing what you guys have been talking about is, I mean, it's an, it's an honor to have you guys and, and the community in the space and get to work with companies and see, you know, not the look at that entrepreneur riding the lion, but the entrepreneur is saying, holy shit, I'm riding a lion. How, do, how did this happen? Uh, and it's, you know, it's an amazing thing. And it, it, there's days where you're sitting there and it's like, not only is this the job part of it and the part that like, I'm looking for other people that love doing this, but like, I've got employees with mouths to feed and all this responsibility. And like, what am I even doing here today? But I think to what we've been talking about, the the purpose of each of your organizations and individually is enough sometimes to like just carry you through to that next day. And then you get some of these relationships like a waste management or some justification from the market telling you, you know what, all this work that you've put in is really valuable to us. And it's it's uh it's been amazing to watch you guys grow in in Max Six as well. So I want to make sure we do ask uh, everybody a couple of questions at the end, which has nothing to do with anything, but we're collecting answers on these and would like to ask you guys as well. Um, So what is your favorite book all time? And if you would like to recommend a different one, that's fine too. But what would you recommend? Well, you already answered the question, Ray. Yeah, I cheat. <laughs> I'll stick with the power of myth. There, I really had a fun time reading Spiral Dynamics because I think it's fascinating, which is a very heady way to look at uh, personal progression and and second tier thinking of being able to combine, you know, emotional and logical thoughts at the same time with me and all of us. You know, it really did change the way I think. That is, I I agree. I second that one and. If you ever want to sort of lose sight of yourself as a physical human being and mm-hmm. realize what all you are or might not be, that's a, that's a cool read. I am not a reader, so this this is a tougher question for me. Charlotte's Web was uh, was really influential <laughs> early on for me. Radiant uh, Pig. Uh, man, I don't know. It, it's hard to pick out one in particular. Um, 
I'll steal one that uh, that Mike Mike Jones gave me because he's much more of a reader. So, and I gotta I gotta search my brain archives here. So, I read uh, when we completed the merger. He gave me a stack of books, uh, and I haven't read all of them. <laughs> I've probably only read maybe one of them. Uh, and that was uh, A New Brand World. I think that's the order of the words in the title. A New Brand World. Um, and it just talks about how brand is so much more important today than ever before. Knowing who you are and actually having a purpose behind what you do. Companies can't get away with trash anymore. <laughs> they really can't. Uh, we're seeing that more and more uh, with just the transparency that we have now. And so it's cool reading through a book like that and realizing like, oh, yeah, like brand is not something that a lot of people or companies are like when they think about their marketing, they're like, oh, we got to start with our brand first. It's usually like, oh, we need a new website. Our website's trash. We need a new website. It's cool seeing like validation behind what our main kind of capstone product and service is. So it's a great read, too. Taking taking notes. We're keeping a list. Come downstairs and grab a copy. I have a copy on my desk. Mike Jones actually gave me that book as well. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Um, So for my question, what's one lesson or skill that you've learned through the pandemic that you want to take forward into the future? This is another hard one because I don't have any skills. So... (laughs) You didn't get any spelling, uh, spelling bee awards uh, no. after the <laughs> no. Charlotte's I was a terrible speller. Uh, first grade, I misspelled star, put an E at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, what skill through COVID? Oh, man. Or lesson, just something that you've yeah, noticed. Lesson. Through the so this, this is one that I've shared a lot um, with different people. Um, so, you know, we've all seen the marketing emails from different companies of like, you know, whether it's you know, hey, we're here, we're we're open, um, basically like, hey, please come spend some money with us. And for us at Resound, we, we saw that and we really tried to stay away from that. It, because the, I mean, the reality is like there were there was a period of like a month or two there where like, we were starting to feel it a little bit. We had clients drop off and we had to go back to the basics of, of who we are, we were as a company. Um, so the lesson that, that I learned and that I think we learned was um, if we know our foundation, if we know our values, who we are, why we're here, why Resound exists, uh, even something like a global pandemic will not shake or cause us to panic and shift what we're doing. It Sure, it might shift the way we communicate or... Um, you know, the type of even the types of services that we're offering, but um, it's not going to shake the core of, of what we're here to do. So we I think we learned collectively at Resound, like, don't panic when stuff happens like this. It's not going to be the last time, surely. Just remember who you are as a company and what you're here to do. Um, and and it, it was true with us. It was like, yeah, there was a month or two where things were a little scary on the books, but um, we uh, we were patient, and uh, and it's actually we we've done very well um, throughout the craziness. For me, I think that the pandemic and coronavirus and everything really helped me realize that even in these times, that it it was awesome to clean out the fridge to to do those hard things that we probably should have done before that we were forced to do because of what I'm very grateful for our cash flow planning is far more sophisticated than it's ever been now because of necessity in the make your bed, clean the dishes out soon of, of life, of managing those things that are difficult. And sometimes you don't want to look at the bank account in some days, you know, if things are going the wrong direction. Uh, the other part too is so cliche, but we're helping charities fundraise now when we could have done it the whole time. Hmm. But now that, they're not having events, the need is that much more dire for them to find alternative ways to, you know, to generate raising funds for good, you know, for great causes. They're so appreciative because of it, that it's only strengthened relationships because we were able to pivot and offer them something that didn't exist before that 
really speaks to their pain points. So I think that there is the opportunity and silver linings and all of this for the people who are able to, to adjust quickly. There certainly are not to take away from all the other, you know, everything that people are going through, but yeah, there, there certainly are. So last, Sam, Ray, can you guys just tell anyone listening how to find you online? Sure thing. Uh, you can find Resound online at resoundcreative.com. Refreshglass.com. Perfect. Thank you, Sam Pegel and Ray Del Miro for being on the show today. It was a great conversation. And until next time, thank you for being an awesome part of the community. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Max 6 Community Connection radio show and podcast with your hosts, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. We are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive and telling the stories of capitalism as a force for good through the businesses that we serve. To be a part of the conversation, join us for a tour of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, or find us at max6.com.